When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome back to this week's podcast on the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. I'm Steve Vandegraaff with you this week, and in Shotgun, I have Dr. Derek Williams. And we are glad that you guys are listening in. Derek, what is happening in Lefkin? What did, what did you guys do last weekend? Actually, it's fun that you asked. Jenny and I had our anniversary on Friday. We've been married 11 years now. So we had a little uh, getaway, nice dinner, stayed in a hotel. We got up the next day and played tennis, went out to lunch. And so it was great. I really, really, really enjoy those times to just be together and to, I mean, I, those experiences for me are almost like big picture and we share vision and where we're at in life and where we're going and can reflect on our relationship and how we've grown over the years. So anyway, it was a fun weekend. That's awesome. Happy anniversary. Thank you. That sounds very nice. I have to say that I really admire how you and Jenny have always taken time out for each other. I can say that everybody because I used to go over in your front room and stay with your <laughs> sleeping kids when it was your week to go out. But you guys have always prioritized that, and I've I think that's that's a great example. Did you guys stay at uh, Motel Six or did you upgrade to Super Eight? <laughs> no, we uh, we stayed at the Marriott. <laughs> Man, yeah, high rollers. Wow. It's about yeah. it's about the nicest nicest hotel in this area. So that's a fee for service <laughs> hotel right there. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, that's great. You know, it's interesting. One thing that we talked about while we were out is, so we've got five kids, four daughters, and we were just talking about how probably the most important decision that either of us have made in our entire lives was who we married. Just such a big influential decision. And anyway, we started talking about how we want to start talking about that more with our kids. And so yesterday we had a discussion and talked about like when we were growing up, what things we wanted to see in a husband or wife and partner and, you know, what some good indicators or bad indicators were and stuff like that. And so it's kind of fun. I mean, like I said, it's just another one of those kind of reflections that we've thought, you know what, it's going to be, you know, before we know it, our kids are going to be up and and to that point in their lives, so if we can get ahead of that topic a little bit and start thinking through those things, then be really good. That's awesome. Really good. I, I hope uh, marrying for money was on the list somewhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> but what did what did you do over the weekend? Oh, um, well, we. What did I do? Oh, I took the kids camping. It's getting a little cool out here, which is just like camping weather. I get itching for yeah the outdoors when it starts cooling down. So w- it was fun. We you know built fires, set up the tent. I had ants crawl over my head like throughout the entire night. But oh my it gosh. was it was definitely fun. I just love it. I love doing that. So that's cool. I love this time of year too. When we went and got up in the morning and played tennis, it was nice and cool. And by the time this episode comes out, it, we will be ripe into fall. Yeah, my personal favorite time of the year. Yeah, to be me too. Me too. Yep. So 
with that, we today's topic, we're going to be talking about how to choose the right spouse. No, just kidding. <laughs> we are going to, I thought it'd be good to have a discussion. I've had a couple of the dentists that I've been working with ask this more or less over the last couple of months. And basically the question is, or in some version of this, when should I hire another team member or how many staff should I have? And I think that's a great question. There's a lot of different advice out there on this, how many staff to have, when to hire, when to grow. There's a lot of different practice styles out there. So it may be confusing to know what's the best thing to do. And I thought it'd be fun to kind of weigh in on this from give you the lifestyle practice angle on this. The right answer to how many team members you should have or when you should hire another team member is it depends. There's not a hard and fast rule that's going to hold true in every circumstance, but there's a few considerations that you should take into account when trying to figure out when to add somebody. So I thought it'd be cool to uh, pick Derek's brain on these and, and share them with you. First, when thinking about this, I think a general consideration to have before adding any type of staff, any position, is to make sure you, your existing team, as they are, is well-trained and they're all on point before you hire another person. In my experience, when dentists have a problem in their office or they haven't established an effective system or a good way of doing something, they decide that the best way to solve that problem is to hire another person to fix that specific issue. It could be you really do need another person, but often I find dentists rush to hire somebody rather than address the true issue head on. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I feel like I, I see this all the time and I hear it from dentists in general and dentists that I'm working with as well. And a lot of times it sounds like, I mean, here's a couple examples. Well, Debbie said she's feeling behind on billing and, you know, she wants to know if we can hire someone else. Or maybe in, in my last phone call with a client, we talked about training the team on implementing something. And then when I talked to them, after that, they'll say, well, so I talked to the team about implementing XYZ and they said that it'd be good, but they're really too busy and we, we probably need to hire someone else to start doing that if we need to do that. So yes, it's, it's very common, but it's always easier to ask for someone else to do something instead of pushing yourself to learn something new or to take on an additional duty. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> That's usually the suggestion from staff is like, let's just get someone else and make it easier for me. <laughs> it's like, so much yeah. easier. I can see why you feel that way. <laughs> but if in your office, let's say something at the front desk isn't getting done, let's say your confirmation calls or reactivation calls, they're just not happening reliably. You could say, oh man, we just need, we need more help up front. And you could hire another person to do those calls. Or maybe you could sit down and have a talk with your front desk and try to understand why this isn't being re regularly done. It could be that maybe they just need to be held accountable, or maybe they need some other type of support, maybe technological, uh, some tools up front that could help them be more efficient. Or let's say in the back, if you have a couple assistants and something is not getting done, whether it's lab cases, mopping, whatever it is, some routine task, it may be you really do need more hands on deck to help, or 
it's likely, I guess this is my experience, that no one person is responsible for a certain specific task. And so neither of them do it, and they kind of assume the other person should do it, in which case it never really gets done. And that doesn't mean you need to hire another person. It needs They need more clear guidance from the leader, the owner of the office, and they can handle the issue by themselves. They can handle the issue without more people on your payroll. So I would just give a tip. Make sure before you bring on more people, make sure you're getting enough out of the staff so you can only hire more if absolutely necessary. Yeah, I agree. Like you said, it could be that you need more employees, but it is, I would say, 90, 95% of the time, that's not the case. So most of the time, you could probably just assume that you need better organization, better leadership, rather than just hiring someone else. That would be probably the safe bet. You would probably be right most of the time if you just assumed that. A uh, little little interjection. If you haven't, go back and listen to the episode from September 25th of last year. Steve, you and I did it. It's called We called it Making Changes That Stick in Your Dental Office. If you're part of TLP Academy, go and review Module 5, which is all about evaluating, training your team, getting more out of the practice by getting your team to really buy in to the systems and your vision. Yeah. Yeah. Great references there. And the reason we talk about training and and leading so much ad nauseum is because we believe in a lean overhead and staff wages are by far a dentist's largest expense. At TLP, we like staff salaries to be 20% or under. So if your current payroll is 35% and you want to hire some more people, I'd recommend you look at getting your overhead to a healthy place before doing so your problem probably isn't that you don't have enough employees and you know, we're not trying to be hard nosed and say you, you can't hire more people, but we say this because we want you to take home that extra money rather than have it go through payroll and in someone else's hands unnecessarily. So we want you to maximize your profits. Steve, have you ever had anyone tell you that you sound like Barack Obama? <laughs> wow. I have not. <laughs> you just said, you just, at the beginning of that last bit, you, when you said, we believe, it, like, I just pictured, I just pictured <laughs> President Obama. So, sorry, that was a, that was a, a, a mild distraction, but I couldn't help but bring it up. It was all I could to do to just let you finish your sentence. Uh, I'm glad you think I sound distinguished, Eric. That's <laughs> a compliment. Yeah. So, like you said, if your current payroll is at 35% and you want to hire more people, that's probably not a wise decision. There's a lot of work to do before you look at doing that. And I think this is a great time to bring up and discuss the 20% bonus system and how this solves a lot of the problems that we're talking about here. Again, we go over the details of this in the same module, module five in TLP Academy. But with the 20% bonus system, you have committed to your team that you will keep payroll at 20%. Obviously, there is a right time to put this in place, but when you've done that, your team will start to see things in a new light. They understand that the bonus system is based on the amount that is allocated to their pay and benefits. So a quick recap for how it works is that 
if your monthly payroll and benefits are $20,000, then in order for that to be at 20% of your collections, you would need to collect $100,000 per month, right? $20,000 would be 20%. So then if you did above and beyond $100,000, then you would take 20% of the difference of that, and then that would be split among the staff, as their bonus. So if you did 110,000, you would take the difference between 100 and 110, which would be 10,000, take 20% of that, which would be 2,000, and that gets split among your staff so that your staff overhead would stay at 20%. If you want to review this a little bit more. Again, go back to module five in TLP Academy, or you can listen to Justin and I's episode, Art of the Bonus System, which we released in April this year. But what I think is so great about this system is that it gets staff to start to see things in a new light. They start to view their roles in the practice with a different perspective. They see where they can contribute and really help to increase production and collections in order to increase the bonus of everyone. But what we're talking about today is making the decision of whether or not to hire another person. And in my office, because of this 20% bonus system, it affects the staff as much as it does me if we hire another employee. Honestly, it might affect the staff more than it then it affects me. And I'll explain why. If we hire another employee, this will increase the staff overhead cost, thus increasing the amount that we need to reach as an office in order to hit our bonus. So for example, I I used the number before 20,000. If I'm going to bring on another employee that's, you know, maybe super cheap and they're $2,000 a month, that's going to increase my staff overhead to $22,000 a month. So that then if I times that number by five to find out what number we need to hit to to have payroll be at 20%, now that's going to be $110,000 instead of $100,000. So my staff understands that. So when we're deciding whether or not to hire someone, This bonus system helps them to see things from an owner perspective. So it's a discussion where we're talking together saying, okay, if it costs $2,000 to bring on this person, will we be able to increase collections by $10,000 each month, predictably? Will we be able to hit the bonus even more by hiring this person? And that's, that's a really powerful principle because it totally changes things where now as the leader of your practice, your staff start to become a a team and be unified because of this system. You start to, to see this in a different way where you're, where you're working together and you're sold on it. That's cool. It's really cool. Before implementing the 20% bonus system, I used to hear requests from staff often to consider hiring another employee, but since implementing it, Usually when this discussion comes up, we ask the same questions that I just talked about. And more often than not, well, I mean, pretty much every time everyone decides as a team how we can all pitch in to make up for where there is some slack so that we can continue to bonus the same amount. 
Awesome principle. So they're like, no, we don't want to hire one. Do they ever like take it to the next level and they're like trying to vote somebody off the island to get their <laughs> like a bigger share of the bonus? Oh, that's funny. I never even I never even <laughs> thought of that. They're like, you're the weakest link. <laughs> we want them to go. No, that's uh, a that's a great, great principle though. That's awesome. While you say that, I actually have had some clients at times when we talk about implementing the 20% bonus system that say, well, I'm worried because Susie, you know, is is not the most, she's not the best team player in contributing. And I'm worried that if I implement this, that, you know, the rest of my team is going to have a hard time that she's not contributing as much and she's getting the same bonus. And my argument to that is if that's the situation, she is probably an employee that doesn't deserve to be part of your team. So when you say that, you have a very good point that generally when you implement this, there's, there's a lot of things that can work themselves out, but having the right team in place in the first place makes a very big difference. Oh, super cool. Thanks for sharing that, Derek. So let's assume that you've got the right people. You're leading them well. They know and perform their roles. The numbers of your staff overhead are in check, just like Derek talked about. When do you need to hire another person? Just like you know, you mentioned their increased production from having them needs to make sense number-wise. When should you hire another person? And I think let's focus first on the assistant position specifically. A great assistant, I think, as we all know who've had a great one, can do a lot. But I would look at getting another assistant when that extra assistant will allow you to see a couple more patients than you are currently able to see. Whether that means you currently just have one assistant or two, if they're fully occupied throughout the day and another assistant could allow you to have a couple more appointments, then it makes sense, in my opinion, to get another because the increased production will more than justify the cost of paying that new employee. For example, a new assistant's pay is, I don't know, like $125, $175 a day. But basically that cost is easily made up by even like diagnostic codes or even like the smallest procedures that we do as dentists. So if you could, with that extra assistant, be able to schedule and complete a couple extra appointments, especially if they're filled with you know profitable procedures, then I think it totally makes sense to make this move. For this reason, in my opinion, the assistance position is one where it's okay to be even a little slightly overstaffed. Having the extra set of hands helps free you up to do more profitable stuff, and it's not going to strain the bank very much. Would you agree with this assessment, Derek? Yeah, you nailed that one, Steve. I agree. Generally, when you look at all of your staff members, an assistance pay is going to be toward the lower end when you compare everyone else's pay. So if we have to be overstaffed in any area, I agree. This is the place where you want it. So if we go back to this this example where I use the 20% bonus system, essentially we want to feel confident that if we hire a new assistant, let's say their pay is 125 a day, 125 times five would be 625, right? And you are so solid with that. <laughs> Stop. So 625. So I'm going to feel pretty confident that if I hire another assistant, that I could do another $625 a day. That's one or two patients, depending on what you're working in. 
And they are also someone that could float and work on accomplishing a few other things at the front as well. So yes, I agree. Once you start feeling like your assistant is the rate limiting step that you're having to wait on an assistant, you should almost immediately hire a second assistant, in my opinion, because it's generally going to pay off very quickly. Are you still rolling with two in your practice? Yes. Yeah. I do only have four operatories. I have two full-time hygienists, and then I work out of two. And there, there are times when I think for me to have another, have a third operatory might help, but I, I still think probably I, I could make it work with two assistants and not be slowed down. What's your situation? Because you, you work out of more operatories than just two, right? Uh, yeah, usually three chairs, and I have two assistants cover those chairs for me. Yeah. And it's, it's comfortable, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever determined the number of assistants in an office by the number of chairs the doctor is working out of? I've had Dennis say they need at least one assistant per operatory, but I just haven't really experienced that need necessarily in my office. I mean, at least I've been able to do three chairs comfortably with two assistants. And I've seen other docs do do even a little bit more, like a, an assistant per two chairs. Not to you know say that you need to be spread thin, especially because we're, we're saying it's, it's valuable to have a, an extra set of hands. But I'm just curious, have you ever looked at it that way by the number of chairs the doctor works out of? I've heard some ratios and some stuff thrown around. I think it really depends on the the dentist and the office. And it, it depends a lot on how many how many assistant-driven procedures are you doing in your office. If you have quite a bit, for example, you know, ortho, uh, clear aligners, whitening, you know, a lot of deliveries or, you know, stuff like that, that it can be mostly assistant driven, then it may very well make sense to have, have an assistant for each operatory. And that's why I think, I think the better way to approach the question is exactly the way that you laid it out is by looking at, okay, how much is this assistant being utilized? And if they're pretty much fully utilized, it's probably time to bring on a second one because you're almost always going to make that make that money back pretty quickly, you know. If I can see one more patient a day and do, you know, convert some treatment doing extractions, fillings, crown, root canal, you know, whatever, that's easily going to make sense. Yeah, great point, Derek. So, in summary, if you're trying to determine whether or when to hire another team member, look at your current team first. Make sure They're maximized. You're leading them well. Review your payroll goals and determine the amount of production that a new assistant or a new staff member would provide you to help you decide whether you should hire. I wouldn't recommend just hiring someone just because you seem busy or because the staff said that you should get another person, but kind of evaluate it from these perspectives. So we kind of talked about assistants specifically today, and I think we're about ripe time. So I think it'd be cool to, if we maybe split this into two and we talked about next time when it would be best to hire another front desk with all the tasks that's going on up at the front of the office and when to expand your hygiene with a hygienist. So that will be in part two of when should I add more staff. But remember throughout this to be intentional about the team that you're building. 
your ability to build and lead your team is going to make a much bigger difference than your clinical skills, your speed, or if you're Derek, your good looks. So Holla. be intentional about building, <laughs> about building your staff and adding them when is the right time and in the right way. So with that, that's a wrap. Email us if you have any questions. Derek, Justin, or Steve at the lifestylepractice.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Jump without a net, never break a sweat, cause I live my life like it's all I got.